Heels off the top. Larkham. Herbert smashes through the middle. Regan. Drop goal from Larkham. Up it goes. Could you believe it? Larkham has Kabir Kabir. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Green and Gold Rugby Show. Uh, what a week it's been to remembering we're the podcast that's getting you over the gay line on the hottest topics of Australian rugby. And Australian rugby is in a pretty good place at the moment. We're not saying everything's been solved by the Wallaby win on the weekend, but it's a, it's a different place than it was a couple of weeks ago. Q Cavill, how are you, mate? You were up here in Brisbane for it. Uh, pretty special time. It was bloody great, Rich. I'll go so far as that everything has been solved. I think I think uh, it'll be the promised land from here on in. We'll be undefeated through the World Cup, and uh, and the streets will flow with milk and honey. Yeah, I, I like that. I must say, it was a different feel going down to junior footy the next day, the Sunday. That the dads and the mums on the side of the field were actually talking positively about things in rugby in Australia, which is pretty rare at the moment. So that was that was fantastic. We've also got uh, Matt Rowley with us. I think we've got Matt with us. Matt, you there, mate? Yes, I have, mate, and taking care of that background noise. Um, yes, it, what a what a change a week makes. Um, you know, it certainly turns the whole world around. So I think we should just enjoy it where we've got it. Yeah, so look, we won't muck around. We're going to get into it. We are back to our five burning questions um, structure, for better or for worse, and quickly running through them. First one, is this or was this the strongest Wallaby performance since the World Cup? Question two, who stood out? Question three, what do we expect from our uh, from each team for our next game? Question four, what caught your eye from the other international games of the weekend? And question five, just a pretty generalistic one to get us back to that five, is uh, were there any other rugby, general rugby observations for the weekend? But let's get to it, the game. Um, that's as good a Wallaby performance I can remember and I would say, Matt, it's a definite yes, best performance since the World Cup. What about you? It is, but then someone reminded me that we beat the Kiwis uh, in Brisbane last year, didn't we? So we am did. I, am I imagining that? But I, 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 that was I, that I great Jack Dempsey game. Absolutely, that was a pretty good performance, yep. But I, I almost cannot remember a minute of that game. Maybe that says something about the um, the, the, the celebration afterwards. But look, it, it was a fantastic game, and... Look, I, I think the thing about it and, and what surprised everybody was it was very un wallaby like um, You know, it wasn't just harem scarum. In fact, if you look at the statistics, it looks very much un like in that they, you know, they had more uh, possession than we did. In fact, they even had more territory. They went through more phases. They went through more rucks. Uh, you know, they, they even made more, um, I think, you know, tackle busts and things like that. So... You know, and yet the Wallabies did so well. They really, they controlled the game really well. They probably should have scored even more points than that. We can get on to the try that we got ripped off on later. But, um, yeah, so I think the thing that everyone was just really heartened by was the different style that the, the Wallabies played, played a real test match. And look, the, the thing that really stood out for this, and, um, I think all three of us were at the game, uh, was, you know, was the, just the ferocity of the defense. And in those first, felt like the first 10 or 15 minutes, massive hits that just rang out throughout the whole stadium and had everybody on their feet and cheering. And, and that just seemed to set the tone for the whole match. Yeah, and we'll bring the um, we'll bring Hugh in in a second, but I think the um, our colleagues with the other podcast show we have on, Rugby Roundtable, um, 
expressed it well. You forget, rugby that report was, card. Rugby on, report Rich. card. Sorry. Rugby, <laughs> rugby report card. Sorry. The, Who are those the eighth guys? podcast we've got. <laughs> the, um, the rugby, uh, yeah, report card. But, yeah, this was test rugby. You forgot, you forgot the quality of it and how high it was and even the talk of the players themselves. You know, the Irish were saying that's the fastest 40 minutes of rugby they've played this season. And, you know, we only had to remember what Murray was saying last year about what quality rugby they've played all year. The Six Nations, the Heineken Cup, all that sort of stuff. But but that test was as fast as – it was faster than anything they played. So the quality was sensational. And for us to hold in there and sort of lead the way and come up with the win was, was spectacular. The, the thing about that all-black performance last year, you know, it was the last test of the domestic season, I think it was. It was a – it was a third test, was it the third? It was out, but it wasn't necessarily even a, a rugby championship game. And look, we can't underplay a bit in the All Blacks, but it was it was a, a you know very good performance. But maybe we had forgotten about it in the hustle and bustle of record losses to England and Scotland and uh, uh, Italy, even doing almost doing a number on us too. But this was fantastic, and this is this was an, an eighty minute performance. And I, now I feel bad that you brought that up. I need to go back and watch that test. But this was an eighty minute performance of intensity, like I cannot remember from a Wallaby team uh, since 2015. Like you say, the, the speed of that first half, the, the intensity of those hits, the, the Irish guys commented on the fact that it was, was, was such high intensity and, and speed, but how that first 15 minutes, and yeah, we had sensational seats for this test match. I had great seats, and right in front of those one of those hits by Adam Coleman on, uh, was it on Stockdale, the winger or someone, and gosh, you could just hear the intensity of that hit. So uh, that was a fantastic performance by the Wallabies and and non-traditional. I mean, we saw things mix up. We saw, you know, odd you know, uh, alignments and attack with Izzy, you know, at 10 and Karevi at on the wing. And I didn't quite understand what it all meant, but it, it seemed to work. And I guess as we alluded to last week, Matt, I guess what started it all was Izzy in the air from the kickoff and mm. to quickly afterwards. And we talked last week about the fact that the Waratahs had discovered him and in the air and his aerial abilities, but uh, it was a key aspect of this game as well. Yeah, we did. And we saw some more of what the um, Waratahs had been doing with him a little bit earlier in the season as well, where they kind of get him to, you know, chase a high ball from the wing. Um, and, and, and that worked really, really well, um, you know, on a couple of occasions. Uh, so, yeah, there, there seemed to have been, you know, quite a lot of thinking there around, um, you know, what, what they were going to do. I mean, I was just re- re-watching some extended highlights of it just now. And all, you also realised, I mean, I guess they'd put so, the, pressure, the Irish under so much pressure. Stuff just didn't go the in Ireland's yeah. way. Like there was a couple of times when they were made half, they were making breaks down the wings and they put a kick in and then the kick either went out or there was one that Izzy jumped up and fielded. And, you know, it was those sorts of things where, you know, if it's, if it's, if it's going the Irish's way, then, you know, that, that, that kick stays in and they chase one through and they get a try and all of a sudden we're under pressure. But look, you know, it didn't happen because I think our guys, um, the pressure was going back the other way, um, which was, you know, which was great to see. And then, the other thing was, how long has it been since we haven't shipped that many points? Um, yeah. You know, just the defence. I mean, what's happened there? I mean, suddenly it's completely tightened up. I mean, uh, look, I'm drifting to the next bit about, you know, the impact that I think some of the players um, had. But, 
you know, suddenly you went from, I don't know, a situation, especially last year, and even I guess some of us were suspecting this year where we've had the player drain and all the rest of it, and how's it all going to come together when the Wallabies finally come back together? But, you know, suddenly you're like, well, gosh, yeah, across even just the four teams or and the fifth team in Europe, you know, you kind of feel like, oh, we, you know, do we have enough, um, you know, do we have enough talent out there? And then suddenly you're looking across and look, here's the other thing is, you know, you had a the reserve front row come on oh. and, 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 and demolish the Irish pack, um, which, which actually it was really the, I guess the first string pack was on by the, you know, or the front row anyway. At least the front row, the props. Yeah, that was incredible. And look, you go back to, you know, the, the surprise of the defence and reading um, the ratings that uh, that we had on the, the player ratings on our website and the play, the, the, the non, you know, the, the lack of missed tackles. So I think, um, CEO and Kepu, neither missed a tackle. And they both tackled, made, you know, 10 or 11 tackles, I think. I think Timu was the same. I think Pocock was the same. I think, uh, I don't know if Coleman missed a tackle. But just going through the stats, I mean, that's phenomenal. That was, mm. I mean, it was world-class type stuff. Um, yeah. And, and like you say, um, it was big. And some of those hit the mark, you know. Was it uh, Beale's early tackle on kind of Murray, the, the halfback? Yeah. Um, was huge. Um, like we said, Coleman's on, I think it was Stockdale, was huge. There, there was some significant tackles. Hooper did a big one on Carberry, a massive one on Carberry, which really looked like, you know, the young fly half might have to be taken off, which yeah. was probably the, the worst thing for us at that stage because Sexton would have come on. But, you know, those big hits really have an impact on a team. And it was, um, you know, it's like I said, that was, you know, that was happening in the World Cup and we, we haven't seen it much collectively since. Yeah, well, and and and, the, and two of those hits you just talked about. So there were, I think it was the Hooper one on Carberry, and I think it was the Beal one on Murray. Was was when they were kind of, um, I guess, what was the phrase? Almost like they were kind of in back play. So they yeah. were kind of they were both coming around to receive reads, the second pass, yep. Yep. and they were just two great reads where both of them came out completely out of the line. But you, you, that was homework, right? Yeah. Um, they, they'd obviously been doing their homework, and again, I guess that was the very unwallaby-like thing that we got used to was we weren't just going out there and just playing what was in front of us. Clearly, a lot of homework had gone had gone on, and which is pretty interesting considering they'd only had a week together. I mean, yeah. that's the other thing. I mean, um, you know... Incredible. You know, great combinations and all the rest of it, and, you know, you know, really hadn't had that much time together. So, look, you know, you, you're, you're kind of hoping that the only... That, in fact, it can... It can even get better um, the following weekend. And just to go back, just the general tackling, like you said, that again, if you when you rewatch it, you go, "Geez, you know, there's, there's not too much the Irish did wrong." I mean, no. you know, they 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 looked really crisp and 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 fast out wide, but our, you know, our guys just weren't missing those tackles that otherwise would have opened them up and set the Irish free in, in you know in, in back play. So, oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, just really really solid performance. I mean, look, the the one thing. Though it was probably around um, the, the lineout. Um, yeah. Again, I guess that's another thing for for improvement in the weeks to come. You know, if we can get that firing, um, you know, that that'd be great. But obviously, well, something uh, either rusty or I don't know if it was Perengaros or whatever. You know, around yeah. him being new. Yeah. Well, let's have a talk about it in a second because the other one, I, well, other aspect that I thought stood out, and if you remember Matt back to last year, and I remember you having particular issue about this and how how isn't it rectified. But mm. when we were watching that Scottish Test match in Sydney, and I think 
we had just sort of struggled to beat Fiji and Melbourne the week before, and then I was at the Italy test at Suncorp the week after, and one of the glaring things was the complete lack of fitness of the Wallabies. Mm. Now, that seems to have changed. I mean, we finished hard and strong in this game. Great impact from the bench, but the guys were just as, you know, obviously the structure of our back lines and so on or our attack is not going to stay the same for the full 80 minutes, and you could see that drop off a bit. But I think it's fair to say the fitness of the team is uh, eons on from where it was this time last year, and and perhaps that, you know, some of those super rugby coaches need to take some credit for that uh, working under that AIU structure. Well, yeah, I mean, exactly. And, and it, like, <laughs> uh, obviously it had nothing to do with us, but um, <laughs> it, 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 it was it was the thing that we were kind of banging on about is just how, if there was one thing that Checker and the IU would be doing is saying, guys, you know, the game plan needs you guys to be able to play at pace for 80 minutes. Um, let's make sure we've done it. And subsequently Checker came out and go, oh, yeah, I think I've learned from that. I think we'll try and do some stuff like that. And you're completely right, mate. I mean, if, if you're not having to worry about your fitness and you can just go into look, you know, because a lot of these guys have, I mean, you know, there's some great combinations there. Um, you know, when you, you know, especially through the back line. Yeah. Um, they, those guys know how to play together now, um, especially when you've got sort of like a spine in there of, you yep. know, Foley, Beal and um, Falau. And, yep. you know, they've, they've been playing enough with Genia now, I think, in that combination that really the rest of the team kind of falls off that in the back line. Um, and then, you know, the, the pooper has, you know, it's just seemed to be just click straight back in. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, anyway, look, I think I've stalled enough now. We can get the man of the, <laughs> we can get the man of the hour back. Have you finished your, uh, chicken peanut there, dinner, Hugh? Yeah. It, it was, <laughs> ready it was, for it was a delightful. Snack? <laughs> All right. I actually All right, think mate. the technical problems were mainly, uh, uh, stir fry related. Big <laughs> <laughs> gas. Um, all right, Matt, we've given it a, a, a good review ourselves, but interested in your thoughts on the game and that Wallaby performance broadly before we start nailing down some of those key performances individually. Oh, look, it was great. I mean, to answer the question, if it's the best game since the World Cup, I'd say probably not. I'd throw the Bledisloe number three last year and probably even Bledisloe two uh, last year above it, um, just because of it's the All Blacks, and I wasn't convinced that Ireland you know, were, were, were that All good and they level. weren't yeah. on, on their game, um, I think time will tell. But, uh, um, look, it, it was great to see. I mean, look, let's not go too far, and, and I think we'll be in a better position to judge after this week, certainly. Um, but it was great to see a gutsy effort that was pretty skillful and, you know, um, peaked in the last 20 minutes, and that was where we won the game. I made the point article... <clears throat> Um, this week, you know, Sexton came on in the 58th minute, and at that point, Ireland were in front. So, you know, you'd think then, and I was certainly at the time thinking, we're in trouble here because I would have hoped that we'd have a big lead before he came on. Um, it wasn't to be, but we turned up and, and we made the big plays in the last 20 minutes and kept our composure through some, um, you know, refereeing decisions that went against us. And, and you know, we showed uh, composure and discipline and skill that, I think it's fair to say we, we really haven't put together like that for, for a long time. Um, and to do it in the first game of the season was especially pleasing because with just a week to prepare, um, you know, what that means for the line-out, what that means for the back line, what that means for the defensive line, um, you know, obviously uh, we were facing an uphill battle and, and the fact that they got it done like that is is really pleasing and, and you have to think that they're going to be better for the run um, 
and coming into Melbourne. I mean, it just sets up an absolutely sensational encounter, doesn't it? It does, and, and by all reports, a full house down at Melbourne, if not um, near enough too. Which was the, the other positive from the from the night, lads. Was was it forty six and a half, forty seven thousand people at Suncorp, and um, you know you would hope a, a performance, a game between number two and I think we were four at the stage, maybe even five at the stage, would draw a crowd. Um, but the state of rugby uh, in Australia and, and Queensland itself. Uh, of recent times, that's not guaranteed. So I, I was thrilled to see a, a huge crowd, even if a large chunk of them were wearing green. Yeah, it was brilliant, and it was it was a great atmosphere there as well. It was a, it was a really good night. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on and, and you know start looking at some of those individuals. I think you know we can we can talk about those aspects that didn't get quite right. Maybe in point three, where we look at that how we improve for the next game or what we can expect for the next game. But let's let's talk about some of those standout performances. And for me, this is a hard one. We'll end up naming the entire team just about, you know, there's probably a couple of players who weren't as outstanding as we'd hoped or at the level we would hoped. But gosh, across the park, it was a pretty special performance. You correct? It, it was. It was. So I suppose if I'm, if I'm highlighting individuals, I've probably got to think slightly outside the square because certainly we've, we've you know, the, the obvious ones... I think have been have been fairly well covered. Um, I think the guy that I think had a underrated good game that has probably slipped the eye of most commentators, I believe, is Dane Hale at Petty. Um, oh, yeah. I thought he was um, a, a, a real rock at the back. Um, he took a really good high ball, and I think he might have taken another one as well. Yep. He played a key role in the lead up to that first try with a with a really intelligent sort of line that he ran and holding the ball as long as he did, then giving it at the perfect time. I mean, he just showed why he's there and why last year he, um, I think, or two years ago he he came onto the scene like he did because he's just a professional and and he does everything that is asked of him and more and plays a great role. And I think, you know, with that back three now with, with Falau and, and Korobiti, um look like a really well-balanced mix, I've got to say. And, and um, he was the guy that I think was, was um, yeah, I think an, an underrated performance and certainly not to the level of a, of a Pocock or a Beal in that game, but, but certainly I think he was, um, he was in, in, you know, one of the better players on the field against a, a pretty – uh, good Irish outside back sort of unit. Uh, that, that's such a great call. He he, uh, he almost had the perfect game. I, I can't recall a mistake he made. You know, I don't I don't know if he slipped off a tackle. You'd have to look at the stats there. But he, you know, he's got such great skill. I mean, he looks like a fly half. I mean, he, he's got he reads the play. He's got a good you know distribution game. He's obviously got a good boot and so on. But to, it's he's such an asset back there as that second fullback role role with Izzy. And you know, when they weren't bobbing Izzy. They were bombing Dane, and he 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 cleaned them up beautifully. And and like you say, just injected himself into that game so well. He's a, he's a he's a real class act. It's great to see him. You know, his debut was at that ground two years ago versus England, where despite the loss, he was still pretty damn good. I think he was fantastic in that series. So it's great yeah. to see him back in that Wallaby team, and 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 still just as good, if not a a little bit better and more composed. Yeah, and look in in that uh, try that Bernard Foley ended up scoring. You know, where they make that break down the wing. Yeah. Um, it's really fascinating to watch both. Um, I think it's Karevi. I think it's yeah. him, and, the, and then I think and then he then he gives it to Karevi. But both of them, you watch them both give given the ball there, and they both step back inside to make room for the man outside, which yeah. eventually makes room for 
um, Foley at that breakdown. And they just both do it textbook. And it's, yep. you know, ball in two hands. They both immediately bounce off the left foot, make that space, draw the man, give the neck, you know, give the ball perfectly. And you just, that's that sort of thing. You do wonder whether, you know, a bit of Mick the Kick starting to come in here because yeah, that, exactly. that's the sort of thing that we would have butchered time and again or if, you know, if someone hadn't managed to do something amazingly well. And, you know, they, they didn't lose patience. Someone didn't try and do a miracle chip kick or whatever else. It was that was really – that was done very, very clinically well. And I think that's one of the things that, the, you know, the Wallabies did throughout the night was really explore that wide space, um, mm. you know, outside that corner when you've got those two passes on. Um, but yeah, and uh, that was great. So I, I agree. I mean, um, if, shall I roll into mine? Yeah, yeah. Go, Matt. I haven't managed to get one that's slightly um, offbeat, so I don't think I'll get quite as many ca- – and congratulations for this one. But, I mean, how do you go past <laughs> – how do you go past David Pocock? I mean, that was uh, just an astounding performance. And I think probably should have been better because he got pinged twice, which I thought was dubious. Um, Absolutely. I thought, that, you know, maybe he could have copped one of those two, but I, I thought he, I thought they were both a bit, uh, a bit harsh on him. And actually he gave away six points in the end um, for those two, but I think he was understandably a bit um, put out by, I mean, he was just absolutely everywhere. Um, you know, Tackling was immense. It's just like the the impact he's made for the Brumbies this year as well. Um, I think he made um, something like uh, you know ten tackles. Uh, oh, actually, no, I've got fifteen tackles here actually on the Wallaby website. It's saying he missed two, um, but then won three turnovers, um, yeah. and I think I think pressurised a couple of penalties as well, and then then went and scored a try. Um, he was absolutely everywhere, and I, I think he's one of those things. Just as um, those massive tackles made a big impact in our psyche. I think when the opposition started seeing him pilfering those balls and getting latched on, you could see them start to panic and realise they're going to need to rethink their, their breakdown strategy. And just while we're on that, um, on their breakdown strategy, it's really fascinating. Murray Kinsella was on last week with us and we, he was talking mm. about the number of tricks that the island got up their sleeve around the breakdown. Have a look at how they clear Pocock out. Um, and actually, they use it in two out of three... Um, Rucks and and look, I'm willing. You know, people, please put in commentary what you think about this um, in 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 the in the comments or on Twitter or however you want to hit, hit us up. But it's really interesting to me because what they do is rather than try and take the jackal out, um, you know, straight on, um, or you know, kind of grab them and then do that kind of crocodile roll. What they do is they kind of latch on, but then they basically walk around the ruck and clean them out sideways. Mm, absolutely. Um, which, which basically, and they quite often end up with their legs, you know, basically, you know, completely on the wrong side of the ruck and, and mm. roll the, 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 the jackler out that way. And I, I really struggle to think that that's fully kosher. Um, no. Because I would imagine that if you were an attacker coming in to go for, the, you know, to, to try and ruck a, a you know, um, to try and move people off the ball and you did that, you'd get pinged straight away. Um, so I struggle to understand why a defender can do that. But Ireland was literally doing that in two out of the three rucks, and you just kind of get used to it. You just sat there looking at it, and then you go, hang on a minute, is that really, you know, is that really coming really through the gate, and is that really not moving around the side? But it's very hard to defend because obviously Pocock's, you know, he's bracing against what's in front of him, not to what's to the side of him. Um, so anyway, a fantastic game from him, I thought. What a tough prick he is. I mean, I was watching that and just going, you know, he gets over the ball. Every ruck he's over the ball. And he, exactly as you say there, Matt, whether it's legal or not, 
he cops an absolute battering over that ball every time. Um, his body just, you know, I know it's made of metal or something like that, but it's, mm-hmm. he just cops it. He's just such a tough prick. But look, you know, I, I remember that game brought back memories. I was with a mate and he reminded me of it, me sending him an email telling him about seeing this Australian schoolboys game at Ballymore. So it's some relevance there back in 2006, 07. And I'd heard all about this Curtly Beal and went and watched him and Beal was sensational. But the guy who did all his tackling for him was this guy I didn't know of and it was David Pocock. So just to see them together on the field last night, oh, sorry, last Saturday night, um, same positions. Oh, no, I think Bill played 10 in that test, that schoolboys test. But Bill at 12 and Pocock at 7 and just absolutely outstanding. And, you know, Bill uh, Pocock's cops some flack, or at least the ARU's cops some flack for that sort of, you know, deal he, he got with the being paid to have a year off last year. And Bill's obviously copped his fair of flack. But, geez, they were sensational for the Wallabies. Um, mm. Such critical plays, and I, I, you know, I think Beale had a more significant game than Foley, and probably got involved a little bit more than Foley. That was obviously part of some game plan there, but he he was just remarkable and 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 just so, I guess, crucial to the outcome of that game. So yeah, I, I, I think that's a great call, both of them. And I, I can't add any more. I thought you know, Corabidi was was spectacular. I, I'm such a fan of his play that you know that first. That first kick through is almost from the kickoff, was it not? I think um, so. Yeah, that he just timed to perfection and, and smashed his opposite number. Um, I can't remember Stockdale or the or, or, or um, Earls, but it was just a perfectly. No, it timed. was um, it was Connor Murray. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah Connor really? uh, Murray right. got hit he like got three times. Then, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which was great because it really rattled him by the end of the game, which is brilliant. It did. Uh, because he wasn't his dominant self by any means. But mm. Corabidi was fantastic. And, and Coleman, I've just got a huge man crush on. I, I, I love his physicality. It's what we've been crying out for, you know, in that position for, for, for some time, probably since, you know, the Eels retired. Not that Eels was known for his physicality, but just, you know, the, the, the presence he has around the field for a lock is just spectacular. I thought, you know, those two you know, for what they offered, which is, was fantastic. So, uh, awesome stuff by the Wallabies. Now, the other guy that surprised me on the, on the, on the, um, the replay, and I'm, you know, he's one of Cavill's favourites, but also he's getting, copying a bit of pressure from the bench, was Kepu. Kepu, you know, was a bit anonymous to, anonymous to me during the game, but watching the replay, he did a, made a lot of really crucial tackles at crucial times, just, you know, when Ireland were getting a bit of roll on. If you, if you see that in the replay, you see he popped up the right time at the right place, this sort of thing. So, um, you know, that, he made, that, it, made 11 tackles, missed zero. I mean, it's yeah. amazing. It's fantastic. Goes pro. I mean, it's all you can say. <laughs> of the century. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but just going backwards there for a second, as you're talking about uh, Coleman, uh, great segue. Um, so was he, yeah. did, he, did he rightly cost us a try um, you know, on the weekend? So the, the Falau's disallowed try, which got rolled back. Um, I don't know how many phases it was, and because Coleman had um, taken the wrong player uh, and, and, and tackled him. Um, what do you, what's your guys' take on that then? Mine is that it's a penalty. You know, he, he, he took the man without the ball. That's a penalty. Now, then you get back, you start arguing into semantics now as to should the TMO have the ability to pull it up and should the referee have listened to him? I don't know. You know, I think under the letter of the law, it's a penalty. He, he tackled a man that didn't have the ball. Um, yeah. I think under the the way that the game management guidelines are at the moment is that that is an, 
classified as foul play. You can bring it up to disallow a try no matter how long before it happens. So, you know, I suppose you could argue, and I, I'd suggest this probably is the correct decision. Now, I'd like to see them change that law because that they need to redefine it to be not just foul play, but I think foul play that reaches a yellow. You know, did it impact the play? No. no. You know, um, did it impact the try? No. Did You know, did the referee miss it? Yeah, but by all means, if Coleman took someone's head off with a flying shoulder charge behind the ball, then, you know, fair enough. But oh, I think that was pretty soft. But I still think it was correct. Yeah, I, I, I just dispute that it's foul play. I mean, I guess, like you say, that's the interpretation they've gone, they go for these days. But he was a dummy runner, he hit, and I think the intent, I think the issue was that he followed through with the tackle. If he sort of made the contact and, and pulled out at some stage, it probably would have been clear. But to, to call that foul play is just, is ridiculous. It was a, it was a, a dummy runner that he opted to tackle and he tackled him. You know, it had no impact on the bearing of the try. That, that, that guy was not, even part of the play, he was specifically there to draw on defence, which it did did specifically and actually did, you know, more than well. Um, and it was only, you know, the Ireland Paul play outside and then the Wallaby class performances that allowed the try. It had nothing to do with that action whatsoever. I, I, I you know, letter of the law, like many things in rugby, yeah, okay, but I'm completely against the ruling. Yeah. Well, look, I, I, and, and I, in some strange way, kind of agree with both of you because you're right, Hugh, if you really want to drill into the letter of the law, you know, you, you kind of can't disagree with that. But then I agree with you there, Reg, is that I just think, but you know, it's a bit of nonsense. And, you know, he was, like you say, Reg, he was doing that to draw the guy. He, he got what he, what he paid for. Um, you know, Coleman was on the ground as well, right? That's, yeah. that was the whole idea to, you know, to take him out of the way too. So uh, I, I don't know. I just, it, it's, it seemed like nonsense. Also, to me, it seems like some TMOs are worse than others. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, like like the best one in the world, George Ayew, um, is a little bit more like called on when he's asked for, um, and then always gives the right decision in favour of Australian teams, which is great. Um, <laughs> whereas, like that that Kiwi one, and I, someone mentioned his name. He's been he, he is every single time there's a try, he's looking. He's trying to find yeah, something. Yeah. He's looking for a reason to stop every try he can get to. And it's just, it's, it's ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous where, you know, we, we didn't have that many tries on, on, on the weekend, but like every single time he's looking back to see if he can find something. And, you know, and, and more often than not, you'll find, I mean, can you imagine if you went back and had a look through every Kiwi ruck, mm, yeah. um, you know, leading up to a try? Because you would find them cleaning someone out behind, you know, beyond the yep. ball, yep. you know, which is tackling a man without the ball, which is foul play. I mean, how many Kiwi tries could there be? Um, which made me kind of think maybe I should be happy with this ruling, except that no one's going to chase it up. So it just, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just got out of, it's got out of here. I think it. I think it highlighted a lot that's absurd about our game. And a lot of people on Twitter and a lot of people at the ground that weren't big rugby fans get really turned off by it. And that's the yeah. problem, yeah. you know, because it goes, oh, it's rugby again with its stupid rules that get in the way of the game. And I would just wonder how a ref like a Wayne Barnes or an Angus Gardner or a Glenn Jackson, who are very big on flow of the game and, and understand what it's like to be a player um, mm. and to sort of get on with it sort of style that I enjoy – 
I just wonder if they go, oh, I've seen it. Yeah, fair enough, but I'm still blowing the try because, you know, it, it didn't impact. And the same with the try at the end, you know. Absolutely, the absolutely. Game. I yeah. didn't see a knock-on. It doesn't yep. look like there's a knock-on. Play it on has the try. absolutely no bearing on the game or the series or anything. Give Ireland the bloody try. Let everyone celebrate the Wallaby victory and let's get on with drinking post-game. Yeah. Good one. Right, rant over. All right, good stuff. Well, I think it's um, important right. for them for the game. I think you're right there, Hugh. I think it's really it's really stuffing it as a, as a as a spectacle. Um, and uh, yeah, anyway, the, it's getting it's in you know it's in absurdium now. Yeah, right. Second round. All right, so great win by the Wallabies. Um, you know, Ireland world number two. We anticipated they didn't uh, they didn't play all their stars. Let's look to this weekend. We can expect those stars to come back from. Ireland's perspective. So, lads, Matt, maybe Matt, I'll go straight to you first. What you know, what do we expect from each team? And let's look at the Wallabies, and I guess you know some of the aspects that didn't work. Uh, the line out, you know, some questions about the general play kicking, which I didn't think was as bad as I, I thought, and maybe even the performances of some of those rookies. You know, did Timu have the impact he needed to? Was um, Payinga Mosa? Yeah, the answer at hooker, even perhaps Karevi outside. Some people got some questions too. So, what do you expect from the Wallabies this week? I guess some of the media, to be honest, is now reporting that we're likely to have the same fifteen, if not twenty-three. But you know, second weekend with the Wallabies, another week of training together. What do you expect from them before we get onto Ireland? Yeah, look, I, I can't imagine that you know he'll look to, and it sounds like it's being reported this way. Why would you change it? Fantastic performance, um, hard to dock anybody. Um, and then you've got a bunch of guys out there who are making their, you know, debuts. You know, so and everyone talking. I mean, a it was an incredibly fast game of rugby that the second yeah. best team in the world had trouble keeping up with. You know that you had, you know, guys like Caleb Timu and Parangaroa kind of, you know, struggling a little bit with the pace. I mean, I don't think you could blame them, right? So, yeah, I think my pronunciation of his name is worse than <laughs> some of yours. Yeah, I know. I was going to say. I'm not sure it. I actually know what it is. Um, <laughs> Parangaroa. Paenga Amosa, thank you. I think I was calling. It. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, so yeah, I, 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 look, I, I think both of those players, as examples, will be much better off um, having been there and seen it and and feel a little bit more um, comfortable. You would think um, for the week they'd be drilling that line out. Um, I yeah. think that's going to be, you know, I think that's going to be super important. I'm interested in your comment about the in-play kicking because whilst it didn't come off maybe two, maybe three times. It did uh, a couple of others. The midfield bombs worked particularly well. Um, mm. You know, we either pressured their ball, we got a penalty from an, from another um, fellow, took two of them, I think. Um, so that, that part of the kicking worked really, really well. And I really do, you know, put it another way, if we hadn't been throwing that option in, otherwise it was just their rush D. Um, yeah. That we were just going to get swallowed up by all night, and I think mm. this, I think them showing that intent obviously meant that you know that, that those outside backs couldn't all just come screaming up. So I wonder whether actually that worked pretty damn well, and we'll probably see about as much of it as we did this week. But maybe you know maybe they might even come off a little bit better. What do you, I was what do you actually reckon? super. I was actually super impressed with the kicking. It was just some of the comments in some of the forum, but I I don't think the the analysis understanding of what Ireland, you know, you know we would to expect from Ireland in that defence, like you say. I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was spot on. I think Gennie's kicking game was as good as we've seen too. I think he put some fantastic placed and timed kicks uh, as well as Beal and the like, and I think it worked perfectly for us. Yeah, look, I, I, I 
don't have much more to add from a Wallaby perspective than that. I think you're right, the lineup will work on. But I said this before, I'm not too concerned about the lineup. You know, we've got two wonderful jumpers. I'd much prefer the balance of that back row than bringing in a third jumper for the sake of it, whether it be Luke Antui or Ned Hannigan. I think the combination of Hooper and uh, Pocock with Timu, I think he deserves another shot. Now, I'd, if there's a change, I'd like to see him get the chance to, to you know, run a bit wider. We know it's not super rugby. He doesn't always have that you know, latitude to, to run with a bit more width, but I just hope we get to see a bit more of his running game because, you know, this defence has got to be tough to crack, um, and he's one of those guys that has proven, at least in super rugby, that he's he's got that ability to uh, to make the odd break and, 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 and sort of change a bit of a match like that. So hopefully we see a bit of that. Um, Hugh, what about yourself? Anything from a Wallaby perspective? What do you expect to see from this team, whether they'll change things up um, uh, tactically or, or team-wise? Oh, look, I, I think it'll be exactly the same, and I hope it is. I mean, um, I feel like we should almost come out and say, we're going to play the same way, and we're going to keep kicking the high balls, and Israel's going to keep catching them, and you can't do anything to stop us. Um, and I think the line-out's one of those things where you know, I was watching it at the game, and I don't know if it really came through on TV, but it was a shambles. They were coming up to the line-out, and they didn't know who was where. Nah, and exactly, yeah. Were supposed to be standing, and that just happens when, you, when you've met people the week before, and, and, and you can't blame Payne Garamosa, you can't blame um, Coleman, you can't blame really anyone for it. It'll just get better. Um, and you're right about Timu Reg. I think he was a bit unlucky in the sense that the 60 minutes he was on the ground, we we barely had the ball, you know, and I don't think he even touched it in attack. So, uh, I mean, I think he needs another week to show. And I was impressed with the way that he um, cleaned out and the way he um, latched onto the Irish ball as well. So I think he played a really crucial role if it wasn't a ball-carrying one. So, yeah, um, more, more of the same, I think, is, is probably – is probably what we're hoping for with probably just a little bit more a little bit more fluid in attack especially in you know because it did take us 60 minutes to get going and if we can get into our our stride a little bit earlier um and you know keep being smart about ways to get around the Irish um umbrella defense which was why we saw Falau at first receiver and Beal and Foley running the wider channels I mean for that reason um, and it's the same with the short kicking game. If we can keep that up, mix it up nicely. Um, I'd like to see a bit of pick and go being thrown into the game, but I mean that's that's something that maybe we can look out for this week. Just a bit attack them around the fringes as well as out wide. So explain to me the flower thing. Was that just to, to give our playmakers, our passes, a bit more width to get around that umbrella? Well, look, Is that that's why you're saying that, that was my read on it, and I'm not yep. sure if it's necessarily correct, but I think it's to pin the inside fan. In to ah, right. Beal and Foley, your second and third receiver, um, which are your sort of your crucial decision making spots with a, with a ring defence with, with with that umbrella defence. So so they'd be in a better position to either to get outside and and, and throw those long passes to to Corabidi and Haylett Petty and Karevi. It sounds right because I, I've read a bit of criticism of Young Stockdale, who obviously had a fantastic Six Nations for the Irish, about his positioning in defence and how easily he was got around. But that would seem to play with that that sort of um, tactic by the Wallabies. So it'd be interesting to see what comes on. It, you know, all it left was Karevi on the wing, who's a lot slower than you know a Corabetti or a Haylett Petty even. But um, it'd be interesting to see which way the Wallabies play. So let's let's look at the Irish now, and obviously uh, some of those key players they brought off the bench. Um, Johnny Sexton will start at 10, you'd imagine. 
Um, Tug Fallen, Furlong will, will start at tight head prop more than likely, um, although he was dished up by Tom Robinson and um, in combination with Latu and Tupo uh, you know, towards the end of that game. Um, he did prove a, a fairly uh, handy ball runner, as we know he is. Um, who else comes in? I'm not too sure. Your mate Ringrose, Gary Ringrose, might start. Uh, there at outside centre. Ringrose. Ringrose. I was. I can't I do must... a full impression because it's quite late at, and my housemates I think are asleep, <laughs> and it requires a degree of volume. So maybe next week. Uh, yes, exactly. Well, if we pull one off, we would expect it to start with that. Um, you know, so those guys will come in. I, I was, I was largely unimpressed by the, um, the Irish attack. I thought it was pretty one-dimensional, but I put a lot of that down to. Um, Who's their big inside centre, the Kiwi? Um, Bundyaki. Bundyaki, who I thought was pretty average and pedestrian. Um, obviously a sizable lad, but um, not much there. So, yeah, yeah, it's got to be a different kettle of fish, particularly with Sexton. He's obviously such a class act at 10 there. I, I think I agree with you, Reg. And the point I made in my article was it was interesting. I thought Ireland played a lot like the Wallabies had in, in, yeah. in last year and years previous because they just kept holding the ball and kept sort of banging their head against our brick wall defense and, and expecting something to crack. And they had no plan B. They had, you know, there was no um, changing up of attack. There was no um, variety at all. It was just that sort of sticking to that pod structure and, and, you know, keeping, um, you know, a, a few second man plays to throw to their, to their outside backs. And it was just so easy to read. And, you know, there was no control of the game by territory. There was no kicking game. There was no um, there was no variety. There was no anything. And, of course, then they started dropping high balls and missing penalties, which, again, is a leaf out of the Wallaby playbook. So, look, I think they've got a lot of room for improvement. And I think Ringrose is one of those key guys because I think they just lacked that, that uh, bit of spark outside, you know, in that 12-13 channel where... You know, Beal and Karevi defended really, really well, but, you know, they were never really tested. Um, so I think they'll be throwing a lot more at that channel. Um, they'll be bringing in, um, hopefully, you know, um, Stockdale into the game a bit more and um, Henshaw, who's a great player, but never really got a chance. And, um, and yeah, then I think the other one would be probably just around, um, yeah, that, that front row as well and Tig Furlong and, and um, Cronin Healy. Um, probably be giving a lot more grunt to that attack as well. So uh, probably just a bit stronger ball running and then using that momentum with Murray probing a little bit more around the fringes and then releasing to his outside guys. Yeah, I mean, sorry. Yeah, I mean, I know you guys were missing my gold there. Um, yeah, look, <laughs> I, 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 I would imagine, um, you know, this is precisely why, you know, Schmidt wanted Carberry in this you know, in this team yeah. was to give him this experience, you know, in the same way that our young guys were kind of taking, you know, taking um, some bit, taking some big ones and feeling the pace of the game, you know, Carby would have learned a load from that. But just imagine, you know, if um, Sexton had been there and I think, you know, we really didn't get that, you know, many probing tactical kicks and kicks from hand. And I think, um, that's exactly like the thing that you were just talking about earlier where, you know, they were kind of just running into a brick wall. I think we would have seen him mix it up a lot more um, and, and put some of our guys who aren't brilliant, um, you know, around, uh, you know, th- those sort of tactical kicks when they kind of turn them around, like, you know, guys like Karevi, Korobiti, 
aren't brilliant when the ball kind of goes behind them. And I, and whereas a lot of those young um, Irish ringers are great at running onto that sort of stuff. And we've seen our guys kind of cut up that way. And I think, but you needed someone like a Sexton to kind of see that and make it happen. Harbury was ever going to do that. Um, the, the one thing I hope that we don't change, actually, and, and actually Nutt has written a great article about it, um, published tonight, is, is I hope we don't um, put, put more on Tupo. At yeah. this stage, I think it was yeah. brilliant from the bench. I think he's made for that for a good 20 tests. <laughs> um, because I think the other thing is just the impact that those legs have mm. got in the last 20 minutes are fantastic. And, you know, w- w- you know, why wouldn't you let, like, you know, Caps soak it up um, for the first 60 minutes and then, you know, throw him on? And you could see the impact he was making, you know, running at the line, you know, to, to, you know just in helping set up that uh, that, that second try. Um, from, from Pocock, you know, he was making some big impact as well yeah. as obviously that, that scrum. And, and I just hope we don't kind of, if he that goes and gets found out by some wily old prop, like a, you yeah. know, Dan Coles or something like that, then he's got to kind of, you know, he's got all of that to deal with. And I, I just don't think he needs it at this stage. So I hope we don't do that. And the, the one thing, the other thing I was going to say about Timu, we're talking about him having a quieter game. He actually made 14 tackles and didn't yeah. miss one. Yep. So, I mean, you know, he obviously played a very strong defensive game as well. Yeah, yeah, quality tackle, tackle, absolutely. But you know, he's he's got that ability with the ball in hand. I just hope we see that more. Look, it, it's going to be a fantastic second encounter, isn't it? Like that, uh, this is what we wanted from that that England series with us at actually winning a game. So it's it's great to be one nil up in this three test series and and uh, heading to Melbourne with uh, an Irish team that'll be bolstered by some very important players uh, coming into their side. Um, you know, a pretty strong community down in Ireland. I think I remember back to that 2000 when we played the Irish. I've got a feeling it might have been at the MCG, but that was a huge Irish crowd. I think there was a, the, and there was also a, uh, whatever they call that Gaelic football or the AFL Gaelic football uh, amalgamation game played. So there was a huge Irish crowd in town, albeit a World Cup, but there'll be a, a, a big, um, green, uh, proportion of the crowd this weekend too so let's hope the test produces of equal intensity and quality as well and an, another wallaby win um lads the next question's about uh the other you know internationals of the weekend um what caught your eye there's obviously some pretty uh high scoring games with some interesting games that you know the kiwis uh, ran away from the french 52 11 the japanese got over italy 34 17 um south africa 42 39 in a Pretty amazing test over there um, in the Republic and Wales getting over Argentina. There's a few other ones uh, across there too. That They're probably the main ones. Any there jump out to you, Hugh? Did you get to see or see the highlights or score at least just surprised you? The England-South Africa game is quite remarkable. Yeah. Um, I've watched half of it and then some extensive highlights as well. And uh, South Africa are now going into this sort of new phase of... of um, Transformation where I think it's forty five percent of the of, of black players in the, in a team and and you know I haven't followed the South African conference particularly closely and there's a couple no. of new faces in there and and <laughs> at the twenty minute mark it looked like they were going to get beaten by eighty but to come back and win was was pretty um, outstanding and they've got this second rower um, R G Snyman who once again in the fine South African traditions of pulling these blokes off the high belt that God knows how how they do it. Every year it seems like there's there's one or two, um, and he looks sensational in the second row. Um, a couple of great-looking outside backs. 
Um, Andre Pollard's taken the reins at 10, and Faf de, de Klerk at 9 had a great game, and, and um, they ran down England to win, I think, 42-39. Yep. And it was a, a, quite a remarkable sort of game. And, and you know, the, the box, who knows? The box could be the real deal. Can I quickly sidebar um, a slight tangent discussion um, based on what, um, you know, just thinking ahead to the rugby championship, but looking at now, Malcolm Knox made the point in the Fairfax Press over the weekend, is this mid-season test series now the main event or should it be the main event? You know, the, the rugby championship's got this sort of ho-hum feel about it where it seems like we're going through the motions every year. But the three-test series against a country like Ireland with its fan base and, the you know, the the stories and the momentum and, you know, allowing the series to unfold over three or four weeks, um, you know, it's it's a huge interest builder that I'm not sure the rugby championship can, can live up to. Yeah, it's a good call. I mean, considering, you know, we do get something new every year, um, that's probably the, the genesis of that article is that, you know, we haven't played Ireland ever in a three test and when was the last time they were out here anyway. And the rugby championships, it's same-o, same-o every year. It's, it's an interesting uh, observation, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think I think that's a, a, a cracking observation. And, again, having that three test series against the same team week after week where you get to see the dynamics. I mean, you know, what's going to happen this weekend, how they... You know what we what will we do? What will we add to our game? All the rest of it. Uh, I think that's fantastic. I mean, just going to that um, England South Africa match, with you, like you said, was absolutely absolutely amazing. Quite helter skelter being played at altitude. Um, I saw Andy Good, the uh, English international, come out and say, for the life of him, he couldn't understand why England are training out of Durban mm. um, when when two of their three tests are at, at altitude, mm. um, and how that you know undoubtedly they suffered from it, but. I will say this. I mean, um, the South Africa's—they've got—they they were blooding. I think two new wingers um, and um, and a few other players in that, in a, and I think a, a lock. Um, the wingers, I mean, I think scored some fantastic tries. Were, inv- were involved in some amazing sort of um, attacking uh, play. But my God, the first three tries they gave to South Africa were an absolute shambles. Yeah. Um, the, the the South African outside backs and. You can throw Pollard into that as well because you've got Dialende, two new wingers, and Pollard. I mean, they're speed bumps. Um, and I think England, you know, demolished them in the first 20 minutes, kind of lost the ball, lost the plot, made mistakes for, like, the next sort of uh, 40. And then the last 20 came back and managed to get within three points. So, yeah, very interesting that the South Africans were definitely running uh, very hot uh, and cold there. Um, and I mean, uh, Fafter Clerk had quite an amazing game. Um, he's, he's quite the pocket rocket. Um, I, and, and then just while I've got the, while I've got the conch, um, I also managed to see at least the, the, the best half of the Kiwi yeah. France <laughs> <Yeah>. game, <laughs> um, where, um, it was a real arm wrestle there. Uh, wasn't it? You, did you see that one, Rich? Yeah, I saw the same as you before I headed off to the uh, the Irish test. You know, it was the, the the French try was you know an intercept against the run of play, and the New Zealanders played about the worst half of rugby I've seen them play in some time. They looked um, pretty uh, disconnected, a lot of drop ball, and so I'm remembering a lot of the rested All Blacks. I guess haven't played much rugby of late, um, so. You know, we saw the real stuff in that second half. And I know there's that controversial, a couple of controversial referee 
rulings uh, around foul, foul play, some that was declared and some that wasn't. Um, but um, I thought that ref did a, had a pretty good game. But that, that the Kiwis ran away with it that second half. Yeah. yeah they, well, yeah, I mean, it was a bloodbath by the end. Yeah, and I, I don't think it's got... I mean, gosh, I, I, mean, I don't follow the French rugby that closely, but as soon as I saw Bastro was captain... Um, didn't hope that this was one of the great French teams, unfortunately. But, um, uh, yeah, I think it'll be a little bit tougher this second test as well. All right, so that's basically the internationals. Let's, uh, uh, you know, wrap up more broadly, lads, uh, as we wrap up the podcast, is any other general rugby observations? You know, this is our chance to, to bring up anything that's happening in the rugby world at the moment that's caught your eye that you want to... Uh, discuss, observe, um, get off your chest. Hugh, anything from your perspective? Uh, yeah, women's sevens taking out the, the World Series. Although, sort of a bit of cold comfort, I think, because they got flogged again by the Kiwis in the final, which I think is the second straight tournament that that's happened. And now we're on a bit of a losing streak with the Kiwis. So while we take out the World Series, I don't think anyone would conceivably argue that, that we're not number two in the world in terms of the current pecking order in women's sevens. So, um, you know, congratulations, obviously a fantastic achievement to take out that title, which rewards consistency over the course of the season. But, um, yeah, um, it, it, um, it, it was a bit of a sour note to end. And, and in the men's sevens, um, obviously Matt's been following them quite closely, but um, fallen off a bit after their, their win in Sydney um, at the Sydney sevens and, and uh, I think finished fifth or sixth, um, having not really challenged the title since Sydney. So, um, but the, yeah, no, a bit, but of, a, bit remember, of a flat ending. Remember Walsh's first tournament two ago? So was that Singapore? And they made the final. Um, John Porch scored that amazing try in the corner against Fiji in the grand final that looked to seal the game and then Fiji did what Fiji does and ran the length yeah. of the field and scored a try. So that was Walsh's first tournament, three tournaments ago, and then we've dudded out the last couple. And, yeah, that, they have gone back. I look forward to see what Tim Walsh can do with an off-season um, and, and, you know, how he reshapes that squad. But just going back to that, those women, and you bang on. The Kiwis are great, but we have also... This last half of the season, and whether it's... There's a lot of injury there. Elliot Green's obviously still out. Alicia Quirk missed the last couple of tournaments, and we've brought in a bunch of um, new players as well, uh, making their sort of debuts or early forays under the international scene. Um, so, yeah, disappointing not to to sort of steal a, another tournament win there, but great effort to win the World Series. And I, I suspect there's just a little bit more depth being added to that squad as they aim for, um, I guess, next series. But more more urgently than that, on the weekend of July 20, San Francisco is the, the World Cup of Sevens, which will be, would be an awesome uh, tournament to be at uh, in San Fran and a, a World Cup. So we'll see how uh, both men and women bounce back for that. Um, Matt, what about you from your perspective? Anything? Well, Matt, it was only just um, picking up on the downfall 2018 Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, narrative that's starting to build. That's four internationals that Eddie Jones's team has lost on the bounce. Five, if you count the Barbarians game. Um, so yeah, the pressure must be starting to build. I would have thought um, over there. It'll be very interesting. I mean, to be fair to them, you know, to come within three points, um, you know, Ellis Park isn't bad. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I think um, this is you know. 
you know, if they if they don't, you know, pick up the next couple um, or at least one on this trip, it could be very interesting times. Yeah, indeed. And, and I guess the other only other thing I might mention is the World Cup uh, under twenties uh, with the semi-finals play today. Uh, the Poms won, did they beat South Africa? But then France beat New Zealand. Um, so it'll be a Northern Hemisphere final with England versus France. But I caught a bit of that France-New um, Zealand game and, and France were pretty damn spectacular. They got some amazing players there. I think their captain or one of their key players uh, is a guy called Brennan, if you'll remember the Irish flanker Trevor Brennan, who got into that big biffo with Todd Ikefu at the 99 World Cup. Oh, yeah. um, I think this is, I think this is his boy, so he's playing for France now. Obviously, Brennan, I think, finished his career in France, and, and at least the boys stayed over there, it would seem. But he's a, he's a, a sizable lump of a lad. Um, but France got a lot of quality there. But the Aussies, um, oh, the other thing is that the Kiwi scrum, they got monstered by the Aussies um, last week. I think we scored a penalty try against them, but we had a really strong scrum. But the French, French scrum just took them apart, so... Kiwi propping uh, in the future is looking a little bit questionable if you look at the snapshot of this couple of weeks of the World Cup. But then we played Italy this morning and won 44-15 uh, with a, a very comprehensive performance. And I think we might have even had a, a player red carded and doing that game as well. So an impressive, uh, impressive win for the boys, uh, having lost their first couple of games. But uh, obviously things turned around a little bit when they flew over some of those super rugby players, Hamish Stewart, Harry Hawkins and Jordan Pattaya. So um, they, I think they might take on Wales for the Battle of the Fifth uh, you know, later this week or something. So um, we'll see how they go. All right, lads, I think that'll pretty much do us. Anything else you want to add at this stage? Go on the Wallabies. Yeah, Go on the Wallabies, yep. Yeah, exactly. Let's make it, yeah, 2-0. Yeah, let's hope there's a, a, a massive crowd in Melbourne. We have all our Melbourne fans get along and uh, get amongst it and cheer nice and loudly. And uh, everyone else, watch it on TV and, and you know enjoy the success that uh, or the hope that that first Test victory gave us. So, Matt and Hugh, thanks for your time and to uh, Nick in the booth there and to all our listeners. We'll catch you next week. Heels off the top. Larkham. Herbert smashes through the middle. Regan, drop goal from Larkham, up it goes, could you believe it, Larkham has Kabir Kabir. Reg, I think I've just dropped out, um, uh, and I hope people can hear me. Yep. Yep. He's gone again, so yeah, right. I, think, I think he's having some moments. Yeah, I'm, okay, so I'm back now, sorry, some, some, some technical dramas at this end, I'll get <laughs> <laughs> this isn't actually a comedy show, everybody.